Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where I look at the week's financial news that can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course. And I help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a week. What a show. We've got on the docket three articles, two articles in particular, an advertisement. We've got a Wall Street Journal article by Hannah Miao. S&P 500 clinches best week since November 2022. This is actually uh, Friday, November 3rd. We had to sneak it into this one. We then look at a report that was syndicated through the Wall Street Journal. A generational way to play the stock market. Generational trade recommendations by Bank of America. Sectors where baby boomers thrive. And then in closing, we're going to step into Robert's Corner where it's always a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Where we look at a ad I got for a mutual fund, A-G-I-Z-X, the Alger Growth and Income Fund. And we will slice and dice what they're trying to get you and what they're trying to get me to buy. But from the top, S&P 500, clinches best week since November 2022. Goldilocks Jobs report sparks investor optimism. So when I first saw this article, I went back and looked at what happened last week because I wasn't quite sure. I did see the stock market go up a bunch, uh, but I try my best. You know how I always preach, don't, don't focus on the stock market. Try not to get too captivated or caught up in it. And it was a pretty big move. Actually, you kind of follow late October to November 3rd, and it was a it's a good week. Over 6% is what I see in the American stock market. And seeing this article, I contrasted it with all the tsunami of articles that I'd seen concurrently with it about war in the Middle East, war in Ukraine, Federal Reserve hiking or holding, banks taking over real estate, which is increasingly occurring, taking it back because the folks that own it can't service the debt or refinance the debt. All these things you would think, whew, let's stay on the sideline. Let's let's do what the smart money's doing, wink, wink, nod, nod, not really smart, and put our money into cash, earn that 5%, 5.3%, and let's just hang out, bunker down. This article stood in contrast with that, saying the gains of the week to 5.9%, about 6%. The index is up 14% this year. Can you imagine that? The S&P 500 is up 14% this year. Now, would you have guessed that? I don't. I didn't do my trademark pause where I ask you, listener, what do you think the stock market's up this week? I just had to hit you with the truth. Up 14% this year. Now, if you were to ask me, how do you feel, Robert, the stock market's doing I'm not sure I would have given you that number. In fact, I don't think now, certainly the last week's data was what moved that, but I I felt it important to pull this article into this week. What happened? Okay, so what happened? That's what we felt. That's what we saw. That's another reason to not time the market. It's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Remember remember your favorite phrase? Keep that time horizon long. 
because there are going to be weeks like this that just come up out of nowhere. So what happened? Well, new economic data, the Fed's latest policy decision, the article explains it gives investors hope that the economy is pulling back enough for inflation to abate without falling into a recession. That's that Goldilocks. So there was this Goldilocks job report. We may get that soft landing. Have you heard about that soft landing? They're trying to give you an image of an airplane that we thought might go in for a crash, but it's coming in for a nice, easy landing for the economy. Meaning we're not going to have to throw ourselves into a recession. We're just going to ease into this low inflation. Well, what happened is people started believing that. And the stock market in the short run is a believing machine, a predicting machine. So they threw their money in. They bought shares of companies thinking, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm back in. I'm back on. But if you were a market timer and were sitting in cash, this is where it starts getting difficult. Weeks like this try market timer souls because they eventually go into a state called capitulation where you're in cash, you're in cash, you're holding, you're reading your negative articles, you're on zero hedge and some other negative website or every news syndicate, you know, Fox, CNN, NBC, whatever. And they're always pumping poison. And something like this hits and you go, but you're not move, making a move yet. You're going to wait. But over time, you, your market timing will fail you. So this article was a reminder that, hey, I need to really have humility. I need to really have humility and realize I can't, I can't predict this stuff. I do not know when the best week's going to happen since November of 2022. I would have told you it wouldn't have been this past week, but here we go. Sitting us in the face that, yeah, you just had the best week. And for those folks who were trying to get cute, trying to play the game, and by the way, I see this regularly on CNBC and other articles, hey, I just don't trust this market. You ever heard that? Just don't trust it. Just don't trust it. Doesn't always sound intelligent. Yeah, you know, just I don't see it. Ooh, that sounds like good advice, doesn't it? But the person that says, oh, this is great. This is great. Just invest. They kind of sound foolish, don't they? And yet it's that quote-unquote fool who, should they keep those costs low, investing simple in time rising long, they're going to be in better shape over a 50-year period just about every single time. So be willing to be foolish in the world's investing eyes. Be willing to whatever it means to trust. And I, I, I hear this from the heads of major banks, the most esteemed wealth advisors in the country, wealth managers in the country. Hey, I just don't trust this market. I, don't, I still don't know what that means. They might cite various data about who knows what. But what everybody does when the market starts going up, a lot of that conviction goes out the window. And yeah, I trust it. Okay, I trust it. It's really just price action. Whenever they get scared like that, it's just price action. So don't play the game. Keep it simple. So next article, Investing Report, a generational way to play the stock market. I read this in the Dallas Morning News, but it was I think it was syndicated through a whole host of publications. Trade recommendation by Bank of America, sectors where baby boomers thrive. So you guys know what baby boomers are, listeners. Some of my favorite listeners are baby boomers, by the way. I get some of the best 
feedback from the baby boomer generation. They will send emails. They will send texts. They will tell you good podcasts. The millennials, the Gen Z, we don't hear as much from y'all. We hear a little. But on a percentage basis, those baby boomers just do an excellent job of staying abreast of the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. So baby boomers, they're saying, hey, these folks, we can invest in certain stocks for the baby boomer generation, an older generation, and they use a certain product, and therefore, hey, we can kind of make a lot of money that we otherwise couldn't make. So we've got a Bank of America quantitative strategist, Osung Kwan, who is a millennial, the article says. He says, millennials are really feeling the impact of the hiking cycle, boomers not so much. We're starting to see a big diversion between the two. So what they're saying is American Express Company and cruise ship lines are in. Out is a group called the Resolve Group, a next generation fashion retailer for 20-somethings. And if we can just find the right sectors, the right stocks that the baby boomer generation will like, we'll outperform. The, uh, the thesis being, hey, baby boomers have accounted for the lion's share of consumption today, and the millennials and younger have had to pull back because they're in a more precarious position related to housing or debt or whatever. There, there are more pressures uh, that the younger generations are feeling that the older generation is not. So cruise lines, they say, have the heavy exposure to boomers who represent 40% of their trip goers. It was one of the highest lists of priorities for people over the age of 50. Ooh, American Express they like. Now with all these theories, there's always a grain of truth in there. But what's the overriding theory, the overriding theory that ensures we don't fall for this sort of chicanery? Can you think of it, class? Oh, that's right. These truths are priced into the market. This isn't some revelatory knowledge that no one's ever heard of, that market participants are unaware of. Market participants are very aware of these trends. And it is highly unlikely, not impossible, but highly unlikely that you and I, reading a news article or even reading a secret publication on some trend are going to get ahead of this. The stock market is more efficient today, today, in 2023, than it ever has been in the history of humanity. That's right. You heard that the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. The stock market is more efficient today than it has ever been in the history of markets and the history of participants. You can think about the inefficiencies that existed in some of the very first markets in Europe. There's open-air trading and commodities are going back and forth and uh, Larry's selling this and John's selling that and who knows what fair market value is. And then as information becomes more widely disseminated and distributed and then, goodness me, here comes the internet, we're now in a place where it's really, really, really hard to have an informational advantage. One of the things I'll cite when people will send me articles like this, and I get, I get articles like this quite a bit, and I'm glad for them, please send them, is oftentimes we read things like this because they make sense. And it makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. More cruise lines, fantastic. Get on a carnival boat. 
I need to do that. Maybe the next Robert Hunt financial iteration is name that financial fact and get a four-day cruise on Carnival with me through the Caribbean. I'll get you the soda pass. Maybe that's the kind of the next. We're not doing the alcohol deal, but I'll, I'll, I'll spring for the soda pass. But the the stories that we need to pair with these, so when someone sends me this, I like to send them back these insider trading stories. There occasionally, it seems a couple times a year, a large prominent hedge fund will get caught engaging in some insider trading scheme, meaning, hey, we're trading on non-public information that we're siphoning in a way that the Securities and Exchange Commission says, no, you can't do that. So that might mean um, we've got someone at a company who's texting us on, on a private messaging app, hey, our earnings are going to stink this week, go ahead and short. Well, that's insider trading. That's insider trading. The reason why I will send that article back is I say, hey, look, these folks with $30 billion under management, they actually are out of ideas. They have resorted to criminal activities in order to get out performance in their fund. That should let you know how difficult it is to find a story and find a strategy that the market is not aware of and has not priced in already. So as much as I look at an article like this, and I, it really makes sense, I, okay, sure, let's get on a Royal Caribbean deal, Carnival deal, let's, let's buy some stock knowing that uh, the boomers are coming. Eh, market already knows that. Rest easy. There are people with armies of graduates from the finest institutions in America, including Texas A&M University, who cannot find an edge in the market. Can't do it. And then, in closing, Robert's Corner got this email. It says, Hi, Robert. In today's market, we believe taking a diversified approach to dividends matters. The Alger Growth and Income Fund, AGIZX, uses a three-pronged approach to provide investors with both growth and income. I mean, that, you know, not one or the other. We want both. They, this is what they do. Dividend leaders. We identify companies that generate high dividend yields. That sounds nice. Dividend growers. We focus on companies with a proven track record of strong and consistent dividend growth. Well, that sounds lovely. Kings of cash flow. We target companies that demonstrate the ability to generate significant cash flow and return a substantial portion of that cash to investors. All good, right? They've got a manager named Greg Adams. He's been at it for years, they say. And now, if, you, if you're a faithful listener, you know that this is red light. Five-star overall Morningstar rating. And remember from last week, what does that Morningstar rating mean? Absolutely nothing. That's right. It's got a top Morningstar quartile performance over three, five, and ten years. It's got an expense ratio of 75 basis points, which for the listener, that may mean nothing, but we can always, oh, that's about mm, ten times more expensive than a similar index product. And then it shows great performance. It really does. So we've got this, I mean, this fund, which is a, a dividend fund, has actually outperformed the S&P 500 over 10 years. It's 11.91% on the um, S&P 500. This fund is 11.66. But, but, technically that's an outperformance because it's a dividend fund. It shouldn't be able to do that. It's actually doing better. So, what's going on here? First, let's talk about marketing. Okay. When these funds come out with these one, three, five, and 10 year performance data, what you're not seeing are the nine other funds 
who are in the dustbin of mutual fund history who will never see the light of day. So how does it work? This comp I'm not saying this company, but in the industry will have 10 mutual funds that will start in the year 2010. One of those, because of the way statistics work, the way that data works, histogram works, the um, variance and, and performance data, you're always going to have one of them, probably, that's in the top 10%, because by definition, if 10 start, one will be better than the others. You then take that one that does better than the others every 10 years, and you go on a road show. You show everybody and their brother, look at this fund. Look at what Greg Adams has done. Look at what he's done. He's outperformed. Now, shouldn't you buy this? Shouldn't you trust that Greg Adams will do better than the future? Well, you know what the data says? It actually says past performance is not indicative of future results. That's not just a catchphrase lawyers make you put on your financial literature. That's just the truth. There have been robust studies done by Vanguard and others showing that the inverse is true. The leaders, the leaders are typically the laggards because their style of investment and a the prior 10 years didn't translate for the next 10. And therefore, you're in the dustbin. You're in the, you're in the bottom quartile all the time. But we've got to have we've got to have that data. I think this these sorts of advertisements can be can be attractive because who doesn't want to outperform their peers? As long as casinos exist, I know that the human heart is always wanting to click a button and outperform. No extra effort by you. You just have to kind of be in the know. Ah, but we know the truth behind the truth which is that SPIVA report, S-B-I-V-A. I think sometimes once a year you got to go make yourself read that data and say, hmm, um, I think I'll trust the SPIVA data. I'm not going to trust the advertising. The SPIVA data says 95% of these active funds are going to fail to beat the index. So I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to worry about it. But my experience is Unless you are bathing in the financial truths that are purported here on the RHF market update and other wonderful places like John Bogle's writings, Warren Buffett writings, and others, you will surely bend the knee to the bales and the asteroids of the financial services world. We must stand up. We must stand up and be faithful to the truth. Veritati Fidelis, be faithful to that truth. And what is that truth? Keep those costs low, keep that investing simple, keep your time horizon long. That's what's going to give you the best shot in your investing journey.